Hello and welcome to Property Money Trees, Maximising Property Values, the once a month show where I break down the steps of how to recognise, enhance and then extract the values in property in order to create wealth. Would you like to find out how you can benefit from the steps of maximising property values? This is even if you don't own a property yet or have a deposit. If that's a yes, then you're in the right place to find out. My name is Patricia Ogunfaber, and although many know me for my work as a solicitor, on this show, you will be getting the benefit of my 30 plus years worth of experience of maximising property values, experience which has given me a net worth in millions. So who might benefit from listening to this show? Literally anyone with an interest in creating property wealth. Hello and welcome back. Today I'm going to be doing something slightly different because a few people have reached out to me and asked me to talk about how to maximise property values on the income side. So what I've done over the last few episodes is I've been talking about capital appreciation or how to kind of like, you know, just increase the value in a piece of property. So this time around, I'm going to be talking about income and what you can do to kind of like maximise the income that you can get from a property. So I'm going to talk about an HMO that I did in 2019. It's the last HMO that I've done. It completed in 20... 2019 yep end of 2019 just before Christmas and it is still going so what was this so it was a three bedroom semi-detached house now there's a particular reason why I like semi-detached houses and I wouldn't personally do an HMO with a mid-terrace Now, the reason why I like a side access is so that everyone in the house can go into the garden because I tend to not have like communal um, lounges um, for my tenants because if when you have a communal lounge or, you know, one of those like big kitchen lounge things, they tend to be at the back of the house and then access to the garden can be gained um, through the doors there. But I tend not to have those. I just have a kitchen for the preparation of food and then everybody just has their own room with their ensuite. Right, where do I start? Right, three bedroom house, two reception. Um, So this house is in Norbury in Croydon. And the space standards for Croydon are that um, you need to have at least 10 square metres for your rooms, um, but that goes up to 12.5 square metres if you want to have an ensuite bathroom or shower room um, included within that room. And I don't do HMOs that don't have ensuites, so I needed to have 12.5 square metres for e- minimum for each of the rooms. Where the kitchen was, together with a pantry, um, came to just 12 and a half square metres. And the third bedroom upstairs was nine square metres. So that third bedroom was never, ever going to be a lettable room in an HMO in Croydon. 
So what I did was I moved the kitchen upstairs into that third bedroom and I turned the kitchen into a bedroom with its own ensuite. So when this house was being bought, as I've said in previous podcasts, a valuer will be asked by the lender to go in and value it for its capital value to make sure that they're not lending you more than what the um, house is worth and also the potential rental value to make sure that the rents will actually cover whatever mortgage it is that you are going to be taking out. So when the valuer went in to value this particular house, the valuer um, valued the capital absolutely fine. But the rental, she said, would only bring in £1,500 a month. Now, I appealed that. I should have known better, but it didn't cost me anything. And I was hoping that she'd see common sense. You know, in London, where do you get a five-room house and say that it's not going to bring in more than £1,500 a month. That was just, it was just stupid, just completely stupid. You know, who knows of any room in London that rents for £300 a month? You know, even if I'd done nothing to the house after buying it, it would have still rented for at least, you know, four fifty, five hundred. Um, And even if she'd said, okay, you might, you know, have a lounge, I'd still have four good rooms. You know, what is four times four and a half? What is four times five? You know, that's a good like 2000. Um, Some people might even say, you know, why not? You know, 550, you know, that would be the minimum for that area. Anyway, she wouldn't kind of like budge on her 1500 per month. Now, the funny thing about it is, um, I then spoke to my broker and my broker said, well, let's use somebody else because then, you know, you'll get the 2000 a month that you need for the mortgage products that you actually want to go for. So we instructed somebody else. But funny, 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 the same valuer rocked up. And uh, uh, this time she said, oh, no, it will it will it will fetch 2000 pounds any day. But I can't value it at anything because this particular lender that you've chosen requires for there to be a license for me to be able to give it any value because lenders give different instructions to their valuers. So the first lender said, assume the house has a license and value it as an HMO because I'd applied for an HMO mortgage. The second lender said to the valuer, if it doesn't have an HMO license, you have to va- you have to give a nil value because it can't be let as an HMO without the license. Now, the difference between the two lenders was that the first lender wanted the business, realised that obviously I had experience in this, would be able to do the works and get it up to speed. They didn't have a problem with it. The second lender is one of these bridge to let lenders. So they'll bridge to you first. And then when once you've done the works, they'll then put you onto one of their letting products. Um, so they weren't going to let me have their cheaper product um, when I'd be carrying out the works. And this mistake actually made me fall out with the broker because I thought, do you know what, as a broker, 
you should never have advised me to go with a lender where the outcome was inevitable. It was, if they, if they knew what they were doing, they would have known that there's no way I could have got the particular products that we'd applied for with this second lender. Anyway, so we went back to the first lender and I had to take out a a different product, which I didn't really want to take out. It was slightly more expensive, but hey ho, you know, things have to be done. And the reason why I um, had to take up that product was because I knew that I was going to need about £100,000 to do the house up to the standard that I needed it to be in order to get the rents that I needed to get from the house. So, um, yep, so I wasn't going to kind of like put all of my money into paying a deposit for the house. So anyway, um, bought the house, um, stripped it back to bricks, um, ripped out all the electrics, completely rewired, ripped out all the plumbing. So why do I rip out plumbing? Now, if you've lived in a house for long enough, you might begin to notice that some of your radiators don't warm up as they ought to. If you call a plumber to come and help you sort this out, the plumber will say you need a power flush. So what this means is that there there are lots of like um, metal um, bits that float around in central heating systems. And these then cause what is called, I think, slurry or sludge, something or other um, in the pipes. Now, where the pipes have a kink, that that sludge just kind of like sits there. And once it's been there for long enough, it will start to get hard. And once it completely solidifies, you know, good luck with getting water to kind of like pass through it. And even if the water does kind of like find a way, you know, um, um, past it, then it won't be as much as it needs to be to kind of like heat up the radiator. And that then will cause the radiator to not heat up properly. And power flushes, I've had a couple done, you know, during my time. They my experience is that they don't work. You know, they may well work for somebody else. No idea. But, you know, for me, they don't work and they're quite expensive. So anyway, that is why I rip out all the plumbing in houses that I buy, because I don't know what kind of sludge might be kind of like, you know, sitting in the pipe work. And the last thing you want when you are, you know, creating an HMO is for your tenants to then be complaining about, you know, their rooms being cold because the radiators are not heating up properly. So, yeah, so did all of that, um, you know, put the new kitchen in. So five rooms, I was going to have five rooms, but one of them was so big, it was going to be a double room for two people. So that means that I was applying for a license to have six people live in the house. Now in Croydon, you need one of everything for five people in an HMO. So you need a ki- one kitchen for five people in an HMO. When I say one kitchen, I actually mean kitchen facilities. Um, so kitchen facilities, they are, according to Croydon, a, a four burner cooker, an oven, 
a sink and four double sockets. So because I was going to have six people in there, I needed two kitchen facilities. So you can either, when you're in Croydon, have two kitchens if you need two kitchen facilities, or you can have both sets of facilities in the one room, as long as you meet the minimum kind of like size for kitchens containing two sets of facilities. So anyway, kind of like did all of that. And also what I do when I'm doing HMOs is I get the council to come on an advisory visit. So the advisory visits mainly are not because I don't know what they want or what they require of me, but to give them the chance to actually see what I'm doing and to maybe kind of like, you know, give me some advice over and above what's in their, you know, documentation that you can find online for any council in the country. The lady came round, I showed her my plans, told her that two of the rooms were going to be a bit tight. And she said, look, it doesn't matter, Patricia. Um, yes, they're going to be slightly tight, but, you know, just do them, you know, nicely like you always do. And I'm sure they'll be fine. Because, you know, the two of the rooms were literally, one was 12.555, I think, and the other one was 12.7 square metres. So they were literally kind of like borderline. And the last thing I wanted was to have done all the works and then for her to say, oh, no, these rooms are too small. So I wanted her in before the works had started also so that she could actually measure the rooms herself and be satisfied that they would actually meet their standards. So um, so that was um, that uh, beginning of the works. Then also what um, I try and future proof whatever I'm doing. So I um, did some acoustic um, insulation between the, the floors. So this house was a two-storey house. So between the ceiling and the ceiling of the, the, the rooms on the ground floor and the floors of the rooms on the first floor, I had acoustic uh, insulation put into um, those spaces in between the joists. And then I double lined the ceilings below. So in HMOs, you need to contain each room for fire purposes. So you'll either use like 15 mil um, pink board, which is like fire resistant board, or you can double up with like gray board and two layers of gray is equivalent to 30 minutes of fire protection. But what I did was I had like one layer of pink, which gave me what the council wanted. And I also wanted, um, I, sorry, what the council wanted. And I also added one layer of blue, which is acoustic. And not only that, I made sure that the boards were not kind of like screwed into the joists directly. We used acoustic clips throughout and that really helps with you know, separating like the sounds, you know, from the different, on the different floors, you know, in the different rooms. And then on the outside, um, I did external insulation. So I got, I think they were 90 mil 
insulation um boards well they're not actually boards i can't remember what they're called now um but they're quite lightweight and you know they get kind of like screwed um into the skin the outer skin of properties and i think that was money very well spent they're not that cheap and you know depending on the size of you know the house that you might be looking to insulate externally it that could range from say about four thousand pounds to probably about twelve thousand pounds and what you have to do you know whether you're in whether you are insulating externally or internally you have to insulate every single wall that is not a party wall so with this semi i had like three lots of walls to insulate because you know the front the side and the back so had that been a mid terrace it would have just been two sets of walls the front and the back and had it been an end of terrace again it would have been three sets of walls the front the side and the back um now i didn't do internal insulation which works out usually you know cheaper than external insulation because of the two rooms where i was literally kind of like borderline the sizes that croydon wanted so if i'd put um internal thermal insulation in those rooms they definitely would have been a lot smaller than 12.5 square meters which they are and which was being required um, by croydon so i that those rooms actually made me go outside and put the insulation outside um so when you're doing external insulation, you normally go for 90 millimetres. That is what the building regs actually require. But if you're doing it internally, I think it's 60 insulation plus a 12.5 mil board stuck onto, onto the insulation. So that gives you like 72 mil you know roughly um but if you if you if you if you're kind of like doing this if you just allow to lose a hundred mil off of every wall that will give you a rough idea as to whether or not you want to do internal thermal insulation or external insulation right so did all of that you know normal stuff that i do um for the house you know kind of like keep it nice keep it simple sophisticated though um you know minimalist which is my style um each of each bathroom in the house had like you know different tiles each one had a had a um a feature wall um tile and a a sort of like you know rest of the bathroom tile and i, I keep saying bathroom but four of those five en suites were walk-in wet rooms and one of them was a shower room because there just wasn't enough space to get a nice looking wet room into that particular shower room. Um, so, um, yeah, so did all of that. And um, also what I do with my HMOs is I plan them out from day one so that there's a seating area and there's also a sleeping area and there's also always a built-in wardrobe so all of these things were done you know obviously plus a few extras and then um the place was furnished 
I tend to use made.com for my sofas, my beds. Now, funnily, uh, I don't get them from Italy because I just want to be able to say I get my beds from Italy. I get them from Italy because this particular supplier has the beds that work the most for the spaces I tend to use. And also the beds are so sturdy because they are welded together in Italy. And all I've ever had to do is like screw the legs on. And that has just been so easy to do. Um, and then the beds also have a space underneath them. So people can kind of like, you know, put like, um, you know, suitcases or, you know, little boxes really on wheels under their beds, you know, just to kind of like, you know, keep their rooms clutter free. Um, so anyway, it did all of that, dressed the rooms and guess what? When we started to let, we let room one for 925 a month, room two for 875 a month. So room two was one of the smaller rooms, the 12.5 ones. Room three, eight, seven, five, that was the second smaller room. And room four, that was the double room um, for a thousand pounds. But two people didn't move in. Um, the person who took it is single and she's still there. Um, and then room five, four, nine, two, five a month. So altogether, all five rooms came to four thousand six hundred and twenty pounds a month. Amazing. You know, that could have been, again, you know, normal prices in the area are probably about 650 for, you know, for ensuite rooms looking nice-ish, um, um, possibly 700. Studio flats go for £750 in that area. So, you know, for me to have been able to get those rents you know, just is, I think, is a testament to kind of like, you know, the importance of good design, of planning things out in advance and following it and using quality materials, which obviously, you know, people can see in the wet rooms or the shower room or even inside, you know, the rooms themselves. Um, and yes, so that really is that. Actually, let me go through some um, figures on the expenses side. So the council tax is £128 a month. The um, electricity and gas, that's £44 a month. So clearly the insulation is working wonders. Um, what else is there? Broadband. Broadband is £38 a month. Um, I have a cleaner that goes in every week and she goes in every week really to kind of like sort out the recycling because unfortunately most of the tenants don't actually like recycling. They'll just put everything in one bag and throw it into the nearest bin, which just really doesn't work. Um, I believe in recycling and apart from that, one that when the bin men come, if there's mixed waste in a bin, they literally just shout up the road, contaminated, and they won't take it. So that then is a big hassle. So anyway, yeah, I have a cleaner every week and she charges £10 an hour and does an hour and a half. So the cleaner's um, like fees is like £60 
a month and then I also have a gardener and he charges £25 an hour and does two hours every other week during you know from spring to autumn and then I think he he comes over once during the winter months just to kind of like tidy things up. Oh, um, the other thing I did was um, I used what they call like Spanish pebbles in front of the house. They're like big, like um, stones and they've been painted white and it really just looks amazing. Those stones, I love them. They're expensive, but do you know what? I think they're worth it because you walk past the house and you just won't forget. You know, it's a house that is remarkable. Um, you see it and you will just remember it. And um, also once the insulation was done outside, it was rendered rendered white because you can get your rendering in different colours, but I chose white. So that rendering literally just goes with, you know, these Spanish pebbles and um oh yes another thing that i did you know i, I as i did say i was going to i knew i was going to be spending about you know a hundred thousand odd pounds um is like you know all the windows again well not all of them um most of them were changed because they were kind of like um they were drafty they were old and i just thought you know rather than be faffing about with you know getting someone in to come and like repair you know, windows that, you know, were probably not even made properly when they were made, you know, 30 years ago, possibly, to just replace them with a more modern and thermally um, better window. So I did that. So yes, that is an example of maximising property values, you know, with a valuer saying, you know, it would only get £1,500 a month, to the house actually getting £4,620 a month. So what I'd like to do is just like wrap up um, regarding this HMO. Um, so just to let you know, um, the other things that need to be done are you need a fire detection and alarm system. Um, so I had like an upgraded system. I went over and above what the council actually required for a two-storey house. Again, this was part of me trying to future-proof the house because I thought, you know, today they just want this kind of like, you know, okay system. Tomorrow they may well want something a little bit, a little bit more sophisticated. So I went for the sophisticated one from the get-go. Um, then um, they... I also put in emergency lighting, which wasn't required either because it was just a two-storey house. And then all the doors to the rooms had to be fire check doors, meaning that they would keep a fire back for 30 minutes. And when you put a fire door in, your lining should also be fire rated. And then we had to put intermescent strips into the lining. So intermescent strips stop smoke from moving from one area to another so the other thing yes that I did was I always have combination boilers in my HMOs and I work on the basis that two people per boiler 
would work brilliantly because you see what happens with combi boilers is that if you have more than two people using it at the same time it won't deliver hot water and that's one thing that people tend to complain about um, quite a bit in HMOs that they're trying to have a shower and there's no hot water so in this particular house you can go up to three so I've just got the two boilers um, and they're both in the kitchen so one boiler serves three rooms and the other boiler serves two rooms and the kitchen so one of the reasons why I like to use the combination boilers as opposed to any other system is that if you use an ordinary boiler you will then need to have a water cylinder for your hot water and what research has shown is that you could be heating up that water and nobody's actually using it so it's not a very efficient way of supplying hot water um, so I don't use those one for the space of situating that hot water cylinder because you tend to need a mega flow for a an HMO that has more than like two or three rooms the other thing as well is that once I've uh, finished doing the works to the HMO I have a new EPC certificate commissioned and with the combination boilers I get a much better rating than if I have a hot water cylinder you know for the very reason that I've just I've just mentioned if with the hot water cylinder chances are you're heating up water that is not being used with a combination boiler any water that's being heated up is actually being called for to be used immediately so that is looked at more favorably um, when EPC ratings are done and then once I'd done all the works I applied to the council for the license which I got thank you for joining me today and I hope that at the very least you have found the talk thought-provoking if you enjoyed the show please do subscribe in any event please do rate and review the episode because it would be great to read your feedback thank you very much and hopefully see you next month